Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Take note. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take over. Take Amen. Today we're going to go to a HNL, a whole nother level. <laughs> Luke 15, verse 20. You got it? We'll see, welcome those watching live at all of our campuses now. Luke 15, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, and he had compassion. Say compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. See, the son had gotten in a situation so bad, he said, I don't even want to be a member of the family anymore. Just, 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 just let me come back and be a servant. But look at verse 22. He said, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Say best robe. Yes. Then he says, and put a ring on his hand. Say a ring. Yes. And put sandals on his feet. Say sandals. Yes. And bring the fatted calf. Say fatted calf. Yes. And kill it and let us eat and have a fiesta. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard the party going on. you, you got to understand, everybody's not happy about the party going on in your life. Everybody's not always going to be excited to see you celebrating what God's doing in your life. One of the greatest lessons you can ever learn is the lesson of having your own fiesta by yourself. Because sometimes you're not going to be get, able to get co-signers to celebrate your party. So, so the older brother hears the party going on. And look at verse 26. So he calls one of the servants. He says, hey, come here, man. Hey, come here. He says, so there's all this dancing and all this stuff going on here. I, I'm not up there. What's the party about? Verse 27. And he said to him, your brother has come home. And because he received him safe and sound, your father killed the fatted calf. But he was so angry, he wouldn't even go in the house. Therefore, his father came out and he pleaded with him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I didn't transgress you like that crazy sinner. Say the older brother is like most Christians. 
makes his case based off of his own goodness. I do a lot for the church. <laughs> oh, I'm going to start Kool-Aid in the 11 a.m. So if your Kool-Aid's not ready to be stirred, I encourage you to go to the video cafe. He answered and said to his father, I've been serving you all these years. I've not acted like those sinners. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this, watch this, not brother, but as soon as this son of yours came, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, watch this, this is a rebuke, but he does it in such a wonderful way. You think he's telling him he loves him. He says to him, son, you're always with me. And all I have and all I had is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for Watch this. He flips it on him. Your brother was dead, but he's alive again. And he was lost, but now he's found. Encourage two or three people next to you and say, when I make a decision to get things right with God, I get housewarming gifts. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak now a clear, very simple, very pragmatic word to us, your people, that they customize it so that the hearers, wherever they are, at any campus, they would hear it. And they would think that this word was prepared just for them and the specificity of their own situation. That they would leave this place knowing that you have clearly spoken to them, not because of me, but because you speak through me. You are a perfect God that uses imperfect people to preach a perfect gospel. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. High five two or three people and say housewoman gifts, housewoman gifts, housewoman gifts. You know the story because we've been looking at it for the last several weeks about the prodigal son. You know the story was he was the younger son and he goes to his father and says, listen, hey, pops, I need my stuff because I'm getting ready to leave. There's a big world out there. The grass is greener on the other side. I'm ready for the world. And so he goes to his father and the father says, well, fine, you can, you can, you can, take, uh, you can take your portion of the inheritance. It's interesting that the father gave him an inheritance while the father was still living. It was an insult to come to a living father and ask him for your inheritance because it was considered disrespectful to ask for something you weren't entitled to until he was dead. But the father in his mercy and in his grace, he gives the son exactly what he asked for. And I mean to tell you, anybody ever had God give you what you asked for only to go back and say, God, why in the world did you give me what I asked for? Next time I ask for something, ignore me. Anybody ever got what you prayed for or what you got and you were like, why in the world did you get this to me? You said, Lord, give me this wonderful wife and then you said, Lord, give me this great husband and then, uh, Lord, I want a family full of kids and oh, Lord Jesus. I'm joking. Mother's Day joke. We've all had things that God has given us that we thought we were ready for. And God, in his mercy and in his grace, he says, fine, I'll give you what you think you're ready for. But my giving it to you is really a lesson. The lesson is don't abort the process that you're in that matures you to get you ready. See, the word prodigal in Greek, it meant soft. It meant underdeveloped. So when we see the prodigal son, we see an underdeveloped or soft man that was not able to handle the world he was so anxious to run into. Father gives him his inheritance, and the father says to him, 
he says, go. You, you can do whatever it is you want to do. And the son goes. And as he goes, the son squanders everything in a matter of months. Earlier this morning, I was telling them it's amazing because uh, let's just assume that because, watch this, a few things we understand. Uh, the father had to be a wealthy man because he was able to give his inheritance to his sons. Both of them got the inheritance while he was still living. Which meant they weren't worrying on a life insurance policy or something to kick in. The father must have had some do-re-mi. Now, since the father was wealthy and the father uh, was able to give both of his sons the inheritance, we find then that, that as he gives this son, his sons the inheritance, we find that the father is really in a situation of a quandary. His quandary is, I know he's not ready for this, but yet he's pressing so, so, so hard on this that maybe I need to let him go so he'll appreciate being in my house. The father, the father, the father, the father allows the son to go and the son squanders everything. Now remember, he was a wealthy man. So let's just assume that the inheritance, I'm just going to say, we're just going to make an assumption because the Bible doesn't say, let's just say he got a million bucks. Cool million, cool million. He got a cool million. And he squanders that million bucks, not in five years. Not, not in five, five, five years. No, not in two years. No, the, the context of the scripture suggests that it was a period of months that he squanders everything that he has. Bishop, how do you know that it was a few months? Because if it was longer than a few months, as a young man, he would have been growing and developing facial hair, correct? He would have begun to grow his hair out, right? Because remember, it got so bad that he was starving to where they wouldn't even give him what the pigs were eating. So, Bishop, how do you know it was a few months? Because when his father saw him, he didn't have to second take to see if that was him. He runs towards him because he recognizes him because it wasn't but a few months ago he was in the house. Amen. Still with me? The son squanders everything he has in a matter of months. He, 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 he wasted. The Bible says he, he, was, he just wasted it. He, he spent a cool million bucks. And do you know what he had to show for it at the end? Nothing. Not a pen. Not a postcard. Not an automobile. That day it would have been a donkey. No, he has nothing to show for it after all of that time. So the, the, the son, he begins to think to himself, he says, I'm living well below the level I was created to live at. See, sometimes you're not going to make any changes until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the son sits there having a conversation with himself, and he gets sick and tired of his situation, and he says to himself, how many of my father's hired servants are living better than this? Now, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say to him, please let me back in the house. And you don't have to let me back as a son. You can let me back as a servant. Anybody ever done something so bad that you felt like God would never take you back? Come on, can we be real for a moment and take our halos off? Touch your neighbor and say, it's okay to take it off just for a moment. We've all thought things or done things that have made us feel like we are so far from God to where we can't even pray to him or we think we can't even say something to him. But I'm glad I found out about the grace of God. I'm glad I found out about God's mercy because when you feel furthest from him, you're actually closest to him. Somebody say, I know that's right. Son says, I'm going to go back to my father. And as he makes a decision to take one step towards his father, and he begins to return home. As he begins to return home, his father sees him from a far way off because the father was expecting his return. 
He sees him from afar off and then he begins to run towards him. That's why the scripture says, if I draw nigh unto God, God will draw nigh unto me, which means I may not have all the steps to get everything quite right, but I got enough sense to know God when I make a mistake, I'm not going to run away from you. I'm going to run to you. Stop looking around when you make a mistake to see who saw you and start looking up and say, God, I come home. Now watch this. The son returns home. And I'm sure things have been redecorated. I'm sure things have been rearranged. I'm sure things have been reset up. Uh, I, I, I'm sure it's like a brand new home experience for him. And anybody that has ever had a new place or you've redecorated your old place, many people have housewarming parties. Anybody ever had one of those? The truth is, is what you really had was a housewarming gift party because the reason you told people about the housewarming party in advance and didn't text them 15 minutes before and say come to the house was because you wanted them to have ample and adequate time to get down to the store so they could get you a housewarming gift. Nobody wants anybody showing up to their housewarming party empty-handed talking about here's some potato salad. I can get some potato salad at Albertsons. You get me something I didn't get myself. Say housewarming gifts. Now, now watch this. God is such an awesome God. God loves giving. Everything about his nature is giving. Everything about his nature. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Everything about God is a giver. Say giver. Uh, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So the source of God's giving is his infinite and his marvelous love that we can't quite quantify. And so he demonstrates his love for us by giving us housewarming gifts. Say housewarming gifts. First gift that the prodigal son got, the prodigal son, and remember we've learned that we've all been the prodigal son at some point. We've all joined the club and we're all wearing the t-shirt. The first gift that he got, and this is a gift that we all need, was compassion. Compassion is when God runs toward you. See, a lot of us have spent a lot of time trying to run from God to only find out everywhere you ran to, he was there before you got there. You say, God, I'm not going to serve you anymore. And so you ran to, to, to this and to that. And then to only find out that God was sitting there waiting on you to arrive. Compassion says that God runs towards you. Say that. God runs toward me. See, the first gift that was so important that the prodigal son got was he got the ability to have peace with the father. Watch this. When you get things right vertically, you're able to get things right horizontally. Most people err in this sense that they try to get their horizontal relationships right before they get their vertical relationships right. And if things aren't right in the vertical, they will never be able to be right in the horizontal. So you try to say, well, I'm going to be a better husband. But you can't be a better husband unless you're a better Christian first. I'm going to be a better wife, but you can't be a better wife unless you're a better Christian first. I'm going to be a better servant, but you can't be a better servant unless you're a better Christian first. If I get the vertical right, I'm here to tell you, I'll get the horizontal right because God's compassion runs toward me. Which means God says, I want you to have peace with me. Isn't that something? What God says to you, I want to be at peace with you. Because a lot of folk, you're just so used to fighting. You, you, you had to fight all your life. But God says, when I run toward you, I want to fight. What I want is peace with you. So that when you get things right with me, you'll be able to get things right with your cousin. 
When you get things right with me, you'll be able to get things right with your sister-in-law. Are you still here? Second gift, second gift, second gift. Housewarming gifts because the prodigal son's coming home. He's getting some gifts because he comes home. Second gift he gets. The Bible says, the father said, bring out the best robe. Say best robe. Now, I find it interesting because anytime you read the scriptures, you can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. Now, why would the Bible say best robe if there was only one kind of robe? If every robe was similar, why differentiate by saying bring out the best robe? And notice it didn't say one of the best robes. It said the best robe. That's peculiar. Now, Isaiah 61 tells us in Scripture what robes represent. Robes represent righteousness or protection from the elements. Righteousness or protection from the elements. Now, now, now Bishop, what, what, do you mean, what, what do you mean the best robe? Jesus was God's very best. Okay, now, 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 now watch this. God didn't give you some fly-by-night savior. He gave you himself. He gave you his best. So when the son returns home, the fathers could have said, well, go get him one of them messed up robes. No, 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 no. He says, go get him the best robe, which means even when I deserve God's worst, he'll still give me his best. And watch this. Say righteousness. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, just write it down. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. See, when Jesus was on that cross, he, he, he wasn't just dying so we could get a get-out-of-hell-free card. What he was doing was becoming sin for us. He was becoming your uncontrollable anger. He was becoming our envy. He was becoming our jealousy. He was becoming our idiosyncrasies and our proclivities. He was becoming sin for us. Watch this. This voice goes on. That Watch this. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Watch this. The son's nature had been proven to be foul. Okay. Bishop How He left the house with all the money. Wasted it on people that didn't have the capacity to give him what he was trying to give them. He wasted and then comes home empty-handed, smelling like he'd been down in a pig pen because he was sitting with the pigs trying to smack on their lunch. And one of, the, one, of the people, one of the people recognized him and said, no, that food is for the pigs. You can't even eat that. So his internal nature, watch this, because I'm going to help somebody that you see. Some of you, you beat yourself up too much. His internal nature was proven to be foul. But despite that, the father says, bring out the what? Best robe and put it on him and cover him, watch this, from himself. Okay, I can see I'm going to have to work this a little bit more thoroughly. The robe is the outermost garment. It's a covering. See, righteousness is a protection for me. Because when I walk righteously... I'm protected from foolishness. Okay, okay, let me take it another further. Bishop, what is righteousness? Is righteousness about being perfect? Oh, no. 
Righteousness, you see the right there in the etymology of the word righteousness. You see the word righteous. But before that, you see the word right. So the word righteous means I'm in right standing with God. So when the prodigal son comes back, what he does is puts him in right standing with his father. Now, now, can I go another further? Now, people say, well, 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 well Bishop, uh, how do you achieve this righteousness thing? How, how do you become righteous? You are already made righteous. <laughs> I need to get it. There's nothing I can do that's going to make me righteous-er. I'm being facetious. More righteous. No, 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 no. Scripture says he has made us to be righteous. Now, now check this out. Check this out. God says, I already know y'all got some issues. So what I'm going to do, rather than continue to rehearse your issues and manage your misery, I'm going to just put righteousness on you to cover you. So when you pray to me, I don't see all of the jacked up stuff in you. I just see the robe of righteousness that I put around you. Because watch this. You can't get to God based on your own right standing. The scripture says all righteousness as his filthy rags. Which means I can't do enough to get righteous. He's just got to make me that way. So since I'm in right standing. Watch this. If you ever go to court. You ever go to court. One of the things you have to establish. You have to establish that that court has jurisdiction over your matter. And in your motion or what have you, you, you have to establish that, that this particular court can handle your particular issue based on the statutes, etc. You cannot just walk in there and say, I'm an American citizen and I've been wronged. Somebody needs to do something. It is not Judge Judy. It is not Judge Joe Brown. It's not the other guy, Alex. No. Can't just do that. You have to establish that you have a right to stand in front of that judge. God giving us righteousness as a housewarming gift is God saying you have a right to stand in front of me and make a petition of me that truth be told based on you I shouldn't answer. But since you got my clothes on since you got my robe on, I'll hear your case. Because you, you know what the, you know what Satan will make us do? He'll make, he'll make us think that since we've been good today, that God should answer our prayers today. Lord, I've been real good this week. So today is the day you can answer my prayer. Come on. You may not have said it verbally, but you so thought it subconsciously. You left the Deuteronomy's Prayer Express one night thinking, I've been real holy tonight. I mean, I was, ooh, thank you, Jesus. I was, oh, my God, Jesus. Hey, hey. Now, you're going to answer me tonight, Lord, because I, I know I've been good, Jesus. When I go sometimes read to our king's kids, sometimes they'll walk up to me, and some of them will say, Bishop, I've been being good. That's what they say. I've been being good. And I'll tell them, well, you're always supposed to be good. Watch this. Because God's made us righteous. How? He gave us his robe. And which kind of robe? The best robe. Because he's made us righteous, we have right standing with him. I should live righteously. Okay? Now, now th this is important because, 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 watch this. Because we're righteous, we make righteous decisions 
that will protect us from the consequences of sin. Remember I told you one of the things the robe is, is, is what? Protection from the elements. Now check this out. Uh, righteous in its English definition means moral, upright, or virtuous. Moral, upright, or virtuous. So y'all still here? Now, now watch this. You ought to be celebrating this gift because this is a good gift. Because without this robe, God couldn't hear you. Watch this. So because we're moral, upright, and virtuous, we make decisions that protect us from the consequences of sin. Watch this. Not we make decisions that protect us from the consequences of sin to become righteous. I, I need you to get it. Ladies, let, let, me, let me give you a real simple example. All the ladies, holler at me. Now, ladies, now come on. I'm going to give you another shot because it's Mother's Day. Ladies, holler at me one time. Cool, I'll take that. Now, watch this. Because you're ladies, there are certain things you do. Now, come on. If you just say it, man, I won't have to. Come on. Just, okay. All right, fellas, holler at me. See the fellow, now the fellow, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. No, my fellas, all right, Bishop, all right. God bless you. <laughs> now check this out. Because the ladies are ladies and, and because the gentlemen are gentlemen, notice I didn't say women and men because there's a difference between a lady and a woman and there's a difference between a gentleman and a man. Then there's a difference between a man and a male. A male is how you're born. A man is a choice. Thank God for some awesome men at home. I wish the men would hop up one time and just say something. Throw your hand, do something, blink your eye. <laughs> now watch this. What's <laughs> it? What's it? Uh, let's just use something real simple, because I, you know, most ladies wear stockings. Or not really? Okay, well, but. <laughs> well, listen, no. <laughs> okay, all right. See, I'm trying to do something that ain't going to get me in trouble. Give me something all y'all have to do. Something all you have to do. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay, that, okay, I got all the ladies right there. Black, white, Hispanic, tall, so I got all the ladies right there. Because every woman going to get her hair done. She may be snacking on woman noodles, but she's going to get her hair. No. If she can't quite go to the place she want to go, she's going to set up a, barber, a, 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 a beauty salon in her kitchen. <laughs> All right, here we go. I got to move. Here we go. Uh, m uh, m most women, let's just say most, because I, I don't Don't send me any emails, okay? Most women do something to their hair. Okay? Now, whatever that something is, they do that not to be a woman, but because they are a woman, they do that. You see it? Now, that's the way righteousness works. I'm not doing good things to be righteous. Because I'm righteous, I do good things. So
So my actions aren't trying to prove something. My actions are just validating what already exists. Now, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that's one of the gifts you get. And if you're not man before the end of this worship experience, you will be. Got it? Touch your neighbor and say, you look real righteous. Tell him you look real righteous. Third gift. Third gift you get. I got to move quick. Third gift you get is a ring. Say a ring. Now, 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 now. Rings. Rings are very important in Scripture because rings in Scripture always represented authority. They represented authority. And in fact, in Scripture, most often when you see rings, you see it not just as a ring as you, most people would think of, a promise ring, a wedding ring. No, you saw rings as a symbol of the family lineage, you, what's called a signet ring. And on that signet ring would be the crest of that family. So anytime someone signed a document, they would not sign their name. They would simply take an impression of their signet ring and they would put that down and say, I'm under this authority. And because I'm under this authority or in this family, that's what validates my agreement. Oh, my God, I need you to get this. Watch this. Authority is only given to those under authority. So, Bishop, what's the third gift? Why did he give him a ring? He gave him, watch this, let me make it pragmatic for you and I today, a church home. He said, Bishop, now what is a ring and authority? What does this have to do? When you get under spiritual leadership, you can get over the things that have you bound. I need you to hear what I'm saying. When you get under spiritual leadership, a church home, God will put you over the things that used to have you bound. But, but, but Bishop, give me, give, me, give me another example. A lot of saints keep going under things because they're not under anybody. And you can't be an overcomer unless you're under leadership. I'm not going to get to amens right here, but that's all right. I'm going to teach the word because the word is true. I can't get over something that's greater than me until I get under something that's greater than me. He gave him a church home. He, he, he gave him spiritual authority. Now, now, many times, many, many, many times well, I'm going to leave that alone. Let's go to fourth gift. Let's go to fourth gift. Leave it alone. Fourth gift, he gave him sandals. Sandals. Now, it's interesting. He, gave him, he didn't give him combat boots. I mean, you figure, you know, he's got a proclivity to run away. He made these in boots. <laughs> he didn't give him combat boots. He didn't give him... Uh, he didn't give him some Timberlands. <laughs> he didn't give him some Stacey Adams. He didn't give him some Kenneth Coles or whatever. He gave him some sandals. Now, you may say, well, Bishop, that's because everybody wore sandals. Well, no, I understand the context. Uh, depending on what profession uh, someone was in, it determined the kind of shoes they wore. Now, watch this. The sandals are interesting because Ephesians 6.15, we find a powerful scripture that talks about the armor of God. But it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Now, out of all the, now you know he was in bad shape if he came and didn't even have no shoes. <laughs> Watch this. The sandals are unique because up until that point, we don't know for how long it was, he had been walking on his bare feet. Okay, let, let me see if I can say it like this. How many people know that when your feet are in pain, your whole body is in pain? 
And some people will say, I just have to take a seat because my dogs, are, I mean, some of y'all got Rottweilers that knows. When our feet are in pain, our whole body is affected. Two, two areas that when there's pain, it affects your whole body, your feet and your mouth. How interesting that those are two of the most important areas in your life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So, so when stuff's going wrong with my mouth, it affects my whole body. It affects my whole life. But so too with our feet. So the Bible says, Bible says, give him some sandals and put him on his feet. The sandals represent, watch this, the gospel. Bishop, what, what do you mean the sandals represent the gospel? Come on, Bishop, give me something deeper. The gospel in its generic form means good news. Say good news. Well, what's the good news? The good news is that all Bibles are full of promises of God that protect us from the intensity of the pain of the journey called life. <laughs> I need you to get that again. I need you to get that again. The good news, the gospel, are the promises that God makes us that no matter how tough life may get, and I mean to tell you, if you've lived longer than four days, you found out that life can have some pain, life can get tough, but the gospel is full of promises that tell me no weapon that's formed against me shall be able to prosper, and every tongue that rises in judgment, it shall be condemned. The gospel tells me that he's going to make me the head and not the tail. The gospel tells me I'm going to be over and never under. The gospel tells me with his stripes we were healed problem is is sandals let some things in as the weather is transitioning and we're moving into spring and all of this uh, if you wear open toed sandals and you, and you get close to some rocks or some gravel or some sand or Parker Road <laughs> you'll find out that sandals have openings. And those openings can let things in. Now, I know this is really simple, and some of y'all are over, over don't, don't, don't make it over deep. Sandals let certain things in. Why didn't they give him boots? Why didn't they give him some closed toe shoes? I'll tell you why. Because God's gift to us is sandals. But so why? Because there's certain things that God needs to get let in. Because there are certain pains that will propel your purpose. I, I need you to get that. Uh, if you've ever had sandals on and you get one little piece of gravel, isn't it amazing? Because when you finally find that piece of gravel that's been messing with your foot, you look at it and you get almost offended at how small it was and how much pain it was causing you. Oh my God, that's how life works. God says, I give you sandals, not boots, not closed shoes. I give you sandals because there's certain things that if it makes it past the sandal, your foot can handle it. If it makes it past the sandal, you can handle it. Touch your neighbor say, if it made it past the sandal, I can handle it. Do you get that? Game sandals. Sandals let certain things in. There's another gift. Say another gift. There's another gift. I'm about to. There's another gift. There's another gift. There's another gift. Uh, the fatted calf. Fatted calf is unique because it's a metaphor uh, of celebration for someone's long-awaited return. 
Notice, it, it is not a surprise. They're planning on it the whole time. <laughs> it, it is a celebration for someone's long-awaited return. In the scripture, people would keep one piece of livestock that, fed, that was fed a special diet to fatten it up, thus making it more flavorful when it was prepared as a meal. Uh, for those of you, I said this to them this morning, for those of you that are beef connoisseurs like me, you know that what makes beef taste wonderful is it's marbling. And you do understand that marbling is fat. That's not anointing oil or no, that, that marbling is fat. But it's that fat that makes it taste incredible. Matter of fact, for those of you that are really beef connoisseurs, you found out about a kind of fatted calf called a Kobe beef. A Kobe beef, rather. And when you find out about Kobe beef, you find out that they take special care of these animals. They don't stress them out. I watched the documentary on it. It's quite remarkable. They don't stress them out. They brush them all day long. They speak the word over them. You know, you're going to be a mighty cow in Jesus' name. Being they play music for these cows so that these cows can relax because if they get stressed, it will affect the marbling. A fatted calf is of far greater value than a lean calf in Scripture. Now, why is this important to understand? Uh, they only prepared the fatted calf because they knew somebody was going to return. Watch this. What's the fifth gift God gives us? God knew that we would return to him. And what makes the journey so much sweeter is that when we come back, we have a greater appreciation for him than we did with the absence of him. Now, I, I, let me say that another way. Sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone. And if you get the opportunity to get it back, that thing is so much sweeter and so I wish there was anybody ever lost something, but you got it back and you appreciated it at a whole nother level. The fatted calf represented God saying, boy, I knew you were coming home and I wanted you to taste what it's like to stay under the covering I prepared for you. But then there was one more gift. There was one more gift. That, that, was, that was the music and the dancing. They were having Cinco de Mayo was last week. They were having a fiesta. And I, this morning I was planning, I put it in my Spanish translator, and, I, and I, had, I typed up a whole thing I was going to say today, but I didn't want to say it, you know, like a gringo. <laughs> Poor K yesterday too. You know, I didn't want to butcher it, so I didn't do that. I didn't do that today. <laughs> there was music and there was dancing. There was music. There was dancing. Why, why do you have to have music and dancing? I'll tell you why you got to have music and dancing. The final gift that God gives to us is the freedom to praise and to worship him, even though we were once enemies to him. Not that God made us enemies, but we made ourselves enemies. Which means we're so thankful, God, that you give us a party when we get our act together. That we can come into a sanctuary with all our issues and lift up righteous hands to a righteous God. And we can sing and we can shout and we can dance. Why? Because it's a gift. Don't.
come in here doing praise and worship and just be a spectator like you're at a concert. I challenge you. Maybe you say, Bishop, I'm not a very visual person. Well, that's interesting because if we saw you at the Broncos game, I wonder if that would be the same. But nevertheless, you may not be a very extroverted person. And so maybe you're the kind of person you don't, ah, Bishop, I don't lift my hands. I don't do, I don't lift. Well, just take baby steps. You say, Bishop, I'm, I'm not a dancing kind of person. That's okay. Just sway. Call it the Bishop's two step. You won't get good. You can, you can just, just, just start there. Say, so Bishop, I'm not a clapper. I'm not. Watch this. You don't understand. It's not a right to praise God. It's a privilege to praise God. And God tells you just how much of a privilege it is. He says, if you don't give it to me, I'll go to some rocks. And I'll command those rocks to cry out for me. It's a privilege to praise and worship him. That's a gift he gives us. Take baby steps. Say, Bishop, I don't even like standing up in church. I just want to just sit there. That's okay. Well, then just move your foot. Just move aside that. Just pat your foot. You don't have to be on beat. That's okay. We don't check. Just do what you can do. Because God says it's a privilege. It's a gift. And the worst thing you can do with a gift is to dishonor it. You ever given somebody something to only find out they gave it to somebody else because they didn't realize you were giving it to them? God says, why are you having your fiesta with everybody else but me? Six gifts. That's an awesome day. Prodigal son really racked up. We really racked up. Problem, though, there was one thing that could have made the entire experience sour. There, there was one occurrence that could have messed the whole experience up. It could have ruined the homecoming and ruined all of the gifts. You ever had lots of great things going on, but the one little piece of brown grass messes up your whole day? One thing that had the potential to do that during the prodigal son's homecoming, the older brother. See, he was a good son, but he was not so good of a brother. He, he addresses, he calls his brother, this son of yours. And, and this older brother represents selfish Christians that would rather judge than pray for, that would rather criticize than embrace that won't tell anybody about Jesus or invite a stranger to church because they're more concerned about their own personal comforts than they are fulfilling the mission that Jesus has set before us. And the father, when his son comes and says, listen, this son of yours, the father, he rebukes his son. He says, listen, let me tell you something. You had everything and have everything in my house. Let me make it real practical. You got good teaching. You got good words. You got good praise and worship. You got good opportunities to serve. And the father says, but you didn't do anything with what you had the whole time. And so now because he's coming back and taking advantage of what you refuse to take advantage of, you've got a problem with him. Let, 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 let me take it another further because watch this. Uh, he, father says, you did nothing with the opportunity I gave you except sit up here to do righteous acts 
to try to convince me of this and that. And what you didn't understand was I had already viewed you as this and that. And he says to him, he says, it's right that we celebrate him. Here's what the father really wanted to say and he didn't say. They omitted it because it was controversial. Here's what he really wanted to say. The only reason you have a problem with your brother is because he's taking advantage of what you refuse to. And he's making the most out of what I'm giving him. And now because he's doing it, now all of a sudden the crab and you wants to do it. There's nothing faster to develop the crab in a person than to see somebody else take advantage of So we get housewarming gifts. People that people there are people in here today, in the video cafe today at all our campuses today, there are people that that you need to come home in the sense that you've never become a believer in Jesus Christ. You need to have a relationship with him. You need to make a decision to follow him. But then there's people that are listening to this today that you were following him, but you were just like the prodigal. You ran out, started doing your own thing, started doing it your own way to only find out that that left you broke, busted, and disgusted, and messed up. But then there's people that are listening to this today where you've been in the house. You've been serving. You've been doing all of the good religious things, and, and that's wonderful. But the truth of the matter, on the inside there, is there is an unspoken issue with people that take advantage of what you had the whole time and wouldn't do anything with. And so all three are in here today. And the truth of the matter is, as God says to all three, come home. Because he has compassion with all three. Everybody stand. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.